I want to talk to you about the charismatic nature of New Testament leadership. So it's a teaching. So um, I started a series last time I spoke about uh, mindsets that transform cities and nations. And we're just kind of parking that briefly, although this uh, is really part of that. If, if, if we don't know how to do well the leadership of the people of God, we really do not have a lot to say beyond the boundaries of of this environment and, and historically the church has been really good at doing church culture but that culture is not translated well into the wider the wider world and uh, actually when kingdom culture breaks out in church it works everywhere and that's what we're, we're finding and, and we want to reflect that in the way that that we lead and describe leadership and appoint leadership and honor leadership in in our environment so uh, we did yesterday, we do something called Culture and Connect Day, so people who are new or newish around hope, and uh, we talk about what our values are, our history, and, uh, and we did uh, talk about what a culture of honor looks like. And we, <coughs> we always do the history, and we always do the whole ugly bit as well. So nine years ago, we had, it was super ugly for a long time. It felt like forever, didn't it? Some of you are still here. That was a miracle. Um, and, and it was ugly, it was painful, it was all kinds of horrible, and, and, uh, and yet we're still here. And, and what struck me again was, actually, this is his idea, not ours. So he, it's his church, like, it, 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 he started this and we joined in, rather than we thought, let's have a great jolly church and we'll, we'll make it happen. Uh, this is definitely, if this wasn't God, we would have all gone home a long time ago. And we'd have packed up, and, and it's him. Uh, and it's him, it's, it's his church, it was his idea, he's the senior pastor. The rest of us are kind of just trying to catch up with what he's doing. And, and as we talk about leadership, it's important that we see leadership actually in that context, that our authorization, if you like, is from heaven. If we're not authorized from heaven, then we, we really should stop. It's not, we're not authorized because people like us or enough people show up, that, that does not make us leaders. Um, it is only that our heavenly papa just gives us something and says, go with it. And actually, in leading something like this, the, the privilege and the challenge is we are stewards of something he's deposited. So if he started it, we get to partner with him and steward it. And, and, and if you like, we're, we're in charge of doing that, that as well as we can. Um, and that presents its own challenges. <laughs> um, but, but I just want to emphasize, this, this, is, this is him. This is his thing. He calls you to lead. You, you have to embrace that and steward that. Because it, a bit like when he gives the talents out in the parable, he, he's looking for what you're doing with that. And if your call is to lead and you just bury it and you don't know what to do with it, actually that's a shame. Because the, the gifts and deposits he gives you are there and he can increase them and you can steward them. Um, but I, I love the fact that I didn't choose to do this, he chose me to do it. I didn't make up the authority to do this. Whatever we have as leadership is what he's giving us. Is, is, this, is this making sense? just thought it was important to say that, that this isn't, we're not trying to reproduce a human-based institution. We are, we are only here because he keeps showing up. 
it's his church, it's his idea, and we want to keep it that way. Yeah. And, and, and that actually is part of the job of leadership, is keep us leaning into heaven's revelation, what God's pouring out, where he's going. Uh, someone quoted a very scary survey yesterday in the, um, the Culture and Connect Day, which the Christ for All Nations people did uh, around churches. It basically said that 87% of people in church think that church is for them. I know that wouldn't be true here, but that, that's quite scary. I thought church was for him. Do you know, so when they surveyed, all the questions and all the answers were all about what the church, is, what the church community was going to do for them or their children or the, you know, the teaching. Or whatever. And actually, that's not what we're here for. Sorry, guys, if you thought this was for you. You probably came to the wrong place, actually. Just, just the sign over the door. Did you read that? This is kind of heaven's establishment. Um, so so let, let's, let's break into some scripture here. I want to talk about leadership, charismatic leadership in the New Testament. Because on May the 8th, uh, we are going to have a glorious laying on of hands, setting in our leadership team. And we are changing uh, our, our wineskin in response to what God's been doing with us over the last two or three years. And it's changing from those of you who've been around longer, what it used to be. Uh, we had a, the model that we inherited as from our connection to the New Frontiers family is very eldership focused and very, very Baptist, to be honest. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, bless God for our friendship with New Frontiers. Bless God for Baptists. Bless God for Episcopalians. Bless God for Presbyterians. Bless God for the brethren. Bless God for the assemblies of God. Seriously, hallelujah. They all have a different leadership structure and they all give you scriptures for why theirs is the best which tells you something about the New Testament and leadership models, is it's not actually prescriptive. Because everybody can give you a few scriptures or an angle on why multiple elders or bishops and, or whatever, why their thing is a biblical thing. But actually, <clears throat> you end up with a whole array of different structures. I actually think... It's a charismatic thing. By that I mean it's a Holy Spirit birthed and given thing, church by church. And one of the challenges is to recognize what is the wineskin that we need and what is it the leadership that God has given us and what is he releasing to us and honoring that. See, borrowing models and copying everybody else actually takes away the job of hard work from us, the hard work of actually honoring and recognizing what God's doing in our community we just copy the model from somebody else's and fit, the, and fit people into it. And, then, then, and then, then, then they don't quite fit. I don't know if you've seen that. And it's kind of, yes, well, I'm, I'm in this eldership box, but I don't quite fit. I have to tuck my arms and my legs in. You just kind of get cramp after a bit. So Ephesians 4 and, and verse 11. <clears throat> and, and the reason we're breaking in here is the book of Ephesians was... It was probably not written to the Ephesians, or put it this way, it was written to them, but it was written to probably six other churches as well. It was an encyclical around many churches, uh, and it was not particularly addre addressing ish an issue. It, so it's quite a, 
a balanced kind of letter. And when it deals with leadership in the church, this is what it talks about. It says that Jesus, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers to repair God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Uh, keep going. It, until we all reach the unity of the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And verse 14. And then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every <laughs> wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Wow. So he's saying... He, notice there's no extra paragraph for each of those gifts that describes what it is. There's an assumption that the early church got it. Of course, leadership is the gifts that Christ gave from heaven, all right, which is back to my earlier theme. He gave them, and some are apostles, some are prophets, some are pastors, some are teachers, some are evangelists, and they're given to equip you all until you get strong, mature, fall to the measure of the fullness of Christ. That's pretty full. <laughs> that there's unity, that you're stable, you're not tossed to and fro, that, that there's togetherness, that we're built up, we're strong. That's the fruit of receiving heaven's gifts to men and women who are called to lead. If you just for a moment, sometimes it helps to flip this round and go, well, what? If those, all those things that are the fruit of these ministry gifts being exercised, if those are pulled out, what's the opposite? Well, then you've got a weak, disunited, poorly informed, immature, ill-equipped, unstable, empty church. I don't mean empty of people, I just mean empty -er of God. Sounds like some places I've been in my life. Do you know, disunity, blown around, instability, lack of unity, lack of togetherness, a weakness, poor knowledge of God. If I've been in, in a leaders meeting where we've talked about how immature everybody is, if I've been in that once, I've been in it a hundred times. It's like, maybe the answer is staring us right in the face. Maybe the answer is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers when they're released and celebrated and received, we, we all get to be mature and stable and full of Jesus and change the world and become mature and we know God and we don't split up, we don't divide because it's built around something different than agreement. Just... That's what I think anyway. You can have a think about it. But wouldn't it be awesome? I think the church will be really, really even more awesome as we are comfortable with all the gifts God has given. <coughs> Apostles, prophets, and all with small letters, have you noticed? Yeah. Go back to 11. I really like that. Apostle has just got an A. A prophet has a P. It's not Mr. Apostle. <laughs> Sir to you, yes. No, no, these are just people who have gifts like evangelists, small e. Teachers, small t. 
Isn't that cool? And then it suddenly, if you go that way, it takes all the, you know, put on your business card, I'm super apostle, prophet, Andy Merrick, <laughs> driving my Mercedes Benz to your house. Now, one day, I might have a Mercedes Benz. I don't know. The point is, you don't need, it's not a title. It's a gift. It's an anointing. It's and a function that flows from it. And apostles and prophets are just people with gifts. So right here in this room, there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers already. And they're in all over, scattered through the body of Christ. An apostle doesn't equal someone who leads a massive movement. Now, they may be or they may not be, okay? And you don't have to die to be recognized as an apostle. Do you know what I mean? That's what happened with Smith Wigglesworth. When he was dead, they called him the apostle of faith. When he was alive, a lot of people wanted to get rid of him. He was a revivalist in the middle of the, the 20th century. <laughs> I'm in danger of losing the plot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, the, <clears throat> so gifts, what you'd get from this letter is, is it's gifts hold primacy in who and wh- how the church is led. And structure fits around the gift, not the other way around. And the gifts come from heaven. And that keeps us all lined up with the right place. Rather than headquarters or some other authorization or authority. Just smile at me and say, yes, we agree with you. Um, (laughs) And and, and 1 Corinthians actually gives us a really awkward verse. uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Uh, I, I kind of, I've fallen in love with this scripture because it makes me laugh. Um, in the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. And I, I love the, uh, the commentator, Gordon Fee, and he's written a commentary on this whole book of 1 Corinthians. And in the margin on verse 28, he's written a little note, and he says, the people that came up with the hermeneutic, that is the way of interpreting scripture that said that apostles and prophets are no longer alive or or functioning in this era, guess who came up with that idea? (laughs) It was the teachers. You see, if you get rid, if you're number three, but you can get rid of number one and two, guess who is number one? So we love teachers, we love pastors, but this is not a hierarchical statement. I believe it's like, oh, number one is the apostle. I tell everybody what to do. That's not what this is about, because actually the picture is much more of servant leadership, where these are the people that are equipping and releasing the, the body, but they're also, they are visionary, they're catalytic, they are people to be followed. So don't Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. However, the people who create the environment first are the apostles. That's why they're foundational. And the environment they create should be broad enough, free enough, and, um, yeah, that's enough. Broad enough and free enough for everybody else to flourish in. 
What I've found is, is, is people like teachers who are awesome, if apostles and prophets try and fit in an environment that they're creating, they don't fit. And they feel all kind of like there's a glass ceiling in it. But actually, teachers and evangelists can fit and be free and fly in an environment created by apostles and prophets. And it's absolutely true that prophets die in environments created by pastors. They blow it up or they just wither and die and leave. And I could take you to place after place after place where there are no prophets anymore. Because the pastors didn't know what the heck to do with them. It's not that they didn't like them. It's just seeing angels and feeling breezes in the room. And, and the significance of 12.45, which is the time that their alarm randomly went off in the middle of the night. For pastors and teachers, that stuff is just weird. <laughs> to prophets, that's life. That's how God speaks. And all kinds of visions, which is wonderful. We need all that stuff, all right? So we need, a, we need to honor all the gifts and just kind of put them together in a way that everybody gets to happen. Yeah. That's really all I'm saying. Yeah? And if you put it together the wrong way around, it's like having the foundation on the top of a house. Yeah. All that concrete on the roof, you know what's going to happen. So it's vital that we are, we are able to recognize and receive and run with the gifts that God gives people. And that we don't get all twitchy about, oh, he's saying he's an apostle. That's a big A and he's number one or she's number one. That's not what we're doing here. We're not creating a hierarchy. We're creating a family where everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to be celebrated. Everybody is being nourished and is nourishing. There's give and take. So we're supposed to submit to one another, just to receive from one another. There's nobody who's so on the top of the pile that they don't need somebody else in their life. There's none of these that carry all the answers, all the revelation, or all the authority. That's not made like that. In fact, every single one is made to be needy. There's lack in every gift because it's designed to need more. And every single one of you experiences lack in in you, and it's there on purpose because then you need other people. It doesn't mean you're needy. It just means you're designed to be in a body, not to be on your own. <clears throat> so if we want more of heaven on earth, let's do it his way. I like his plan. So I want to do a quick survey of leadership in churches we know about in the book of Acts. And then I'm going to land it on what we're going to do as a church. Is that okay? Yeah. Quick survey. You can go home and do, do more work on this. Uh, please do that. We, we love that you think about this stuff and don't just sit there going, yes, Andy, that's right, Andy, yes, Andy. No, no just go away. Get the verses, go think. Please do that. So the first church is the Jerusalem church, where the Holy Spirit falls and my particular focus is the leadership structure. This is an awesome church. It starts with 12 apostles. <laughs> How exciting is that? Well, they have 11, and then they figured we should have 12. So they, the Cassalots and Matthias, who'd been with them from the beginning, it says, 
So although he wasn't part of the 12, he was probably part of the 72 others that got sent out. And so he'd been around, he'd laid hands on the sick, he'd seen signs and wonders. So they have, this is, church, this is luxury church planting, isn't it? It's like, how are we going to start our church? We'll just have 12 apostles. It's bound to be awesome. And then, and it says a lot of good stuff. What tends to happen, it says that they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, Often Bible teachers read that and say, look, they were teaching. Yes, but they were apostles. Apostles, teachers have not cornered the market in teaching. Okay, prophets teach, apostles teach, teachers teach, even pastors teach. Okay, it's all valid, but it's a different kind of teaching when it comes from that kind of gift. All right, and I really don't want to get the idea that I absolutely love teachers. We, We really, really need them. Bible teachers are important. <clears throat> They're just number three. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I think there may be still some pain somewhere. <laughs> just book another sozo. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> so in Jerusalem, they start with 12 apostles. It's interesting who, and they get persecuted. They get persecuted by people called priests and elders. So if this was a panto, you know, and, and, and you're in the early chapters of Acts and someone introduces, and on come the elders, everybody in the panto going, boo, because they're the ones that, you know, they want to stone the, you know, they arrest the apostles and all this kind of the elders and the priests. They're like, yeah. Um, so... So they, te- they do a lot of teaching, but it's apostolic teaching. Uh, money is laid at their feet. They basically lead this, this community, and it's growing. It's massive. So in Acts 6, they appoint others to look after the affairs of the church. They lay hands on them. And some people have said they're deacons, but it doesn't say in the text that they're deacons. They're just a bunch of people that they lay hands on to look after certain things that need to be done so that the apostles can keep going with what they're supposed to do. And then later on, the evangelist Peter emerges out of that group. And then later on in Acts 15, we see that in Jerusalem, there are now apostles and elders. But these aren't the boo-hiss, scary elders. These are now nice, cuddly elders that are in the church. So somehow they've redeemed the idea of elders from that, boo, yeah, they're killing us and persecuting us. And they've got them in the church. But there's still apostles and there's elders and uh, we've just raised up an evangelist and he just got taken by an angel and, and then they send off Judas and Silas from their midst who are also recognized as prophets so you can see over the development of the, of the Jerusalem church that there's apostles and then oh, oh here we go, we've got an evangelist now we've got a couple of prophets and we've got this thing called elders and they no longer boo his nasty people they're actually doing a good job in the heartbeat of this leadership okay so that's Jerusalem. You got that one down? Yeah. Okay, Antioch. There, it doesn't talk about elders at all, ever. But it does say that in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers who were Barnabas, Simeon, Simeon who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, <clears throat> a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, who became Paul. So you had prophets, five guys in this case, prophets and teachers, two of whom were about to be sent out and recognized as apostles. 
So this is an awesome leadership team of emerging apostles, prophets, and teachers. No mention of elders. It's defined by the spiritual leadership gifts of the leadership. And that's how the, and the Jerusalem church started, with the leadership defined by the spiritual gifts of the leadership team. In this case, they were all apostles. Are you getting my point? Which one? Acts 13. <clears throat> that's, that's Antioch. We did that quick sort of bus tour around the eastern Mediterranean here. Um, and then Paul and Barnabas go from Antioch and they plant a few churches. And when they go back to those churches, it says that their approach was to appoint elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. This is Acts 14, 23. And they committed them to the Lord who they believed. So these new congregations, they then appointed elders. So these are definitely not boo-hiss, nasty people now. These are the people that are securing these local churches. And <clears throat> one of those churches was, was Ephesus. Remember Ephesus? Book, book, the, the letter to the Ephesians that we just talked about. So before that letter was written, Paul had a beach meeting with the elders of that, probably a giant church by this, many, many, multiple thousands at this point. And uh, so he gathers the elders and he says, pay attention to yourselves, this is Acts 20, 28, to yourself and all of the flock uh, of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God which he obtained by his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to be drawn away to draw the disciples away after them. That's not very encouraging, is it? Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. The, the point I want to make is that Paul's exhortation, if you like, his job description to this group of elders is primarily care for the flock. It's a pastoral exhortation which is absolutely awesome, all right? Elders are primarily watchers of the flock. They're overseers of the church. That's what, that, that's what emerged in, in this sort of development of, of the church. But Paul is saying, when I'm not here, look out for the wolves. It's almost like... <clears throat> you feel that this guy's spiritual authority is keeping the wolves out. Yes. And he's saying some more need to rise up and step into a level of spiritual authority yes. that keeps the wolves out. Otherwise, when I'm gone, they're going to rise up. Yes. What I love about this church, we, we've got some serious, can you say kick-ass? Yes. Yes. Is, that, is that okay in church? Yes. Kick-ass spiritual authority people, keep, they just kind of, they don't go and say, you're a wolf, get out. Wolves just don't come. It's like a scary environment for wolves, this too much presence and godly authority. It's just because we have awesome people. Just like wolves go, Well, like, that sounded more like a lamb than a wolf, didn't it? But wolves become lambs in our environment.
But it's interesting, Ephesus is an interesting tale because later Paul sends his young Padawan Timothy, <laughs> budding apostle there he is, um, to outstraighten the things of the doctrine in the elders he does. Um, So he has a role, he's, he's resident in Ephesus, there's elders there, but Timothy has this leadership authority to set in elders, decide how much they're paid, rebuke them if they go wrong, all the instructions in 1 and 2, Timothy, quite a lot of them are about how to deal with these elders that he's inherited as the kind of senior leader of this, this church. So you, you, you see echoes of Jerusalem like, Apostles and elders, here you have Timothy and elders. See, I told you it was confusing. There isn't one plan. And then we get the Ephesian letter that we just read from at the beginning and it doesn't mention elders or deacons or anything. It just says, just remember all these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. They're the people that are going to equip you, make you awesome. So it keeps lifting up the charismatic nature of the gifts of, of church leadership. Um, <clears throat> that's probably enough to say about that. Uh, Philippians, the book to the Philippian church, is the only book in the Bible where it actually says the leaders it's sent to. So it actually says to the overseers and the deacons. That's what we know about Philippi. They had overseers and deacons. Overseers can be used interchangeably with elders. You okay with that? And then remember Peter, Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, Peter, Peter, get me be behind me, Satan, Peter, Peter, walk on the water now, I'm drowning, Peter, that guy, the apostle Peter said this, something very important in 1 Peter, he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, remember he's an apostle, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Interestingly, not that you're over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So you exercise oversight of those you're among. So it's just all messes with our hierarchical language, doesn't it? Yeah, we're overseeing you, but we're among you. This kind of, I love it. Keep going. Think about it at home. <clears throat> not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, do, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive an unfading crown of glory. I like that. We hear about crowns earlier on. Likewise, you who are younger, so the implication is the elders are old. In, in, it's not in every passage, but in this passage and one or two others, the implication is elders are old people. Yes. Yes. I know I qualify now. That's kind of, <laughs> I finally got old enough to be elder. And, it says, likewise, you are younger. Be subject to the elders. So he's not positioning the elders over them, but he's saying that those who are responsive are to place themselves in a posture of submission to elders really does mess you up doesn't it this 
Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the young receive from the old, but the old receive from the young. We're meant to submit to one another as well and, and, and be humble before one another. And this is yet another shepherding exhortation to the elders. Um, <coughs> okay, time, time to kind of... There's enough in what I've shared to confuse the life out of all of us. <laughs> if you're looking for a fixed pattern, uh, it's difficult. Um, I think what you could say is when they're establishing new churches, they're very quick to put in elders to shepherd the flock. So there's something securing about that. And that, that's a pattern that Paul and Barnabas used and they did it by revisiting those churches. But as churches got more established, like Antioch and Jerusalem and Ephesus, the, the pattern starts to change, and there's definitely a big emphasis on recognizing the spiritual gifts of leadership that are present in these established churches. And that that's absolutely vital, Paul is saying, to the whole church coming to strength and health and maturity and beginning to change the world around it. Is, is, that, is that clear? So there's a very clear pattern at the beginning, but then it becomes, I think it starts to morph around what God's doing in that community. So Antioch has no elders. Eventually Jerusalem does get elders, but there's still the apostles and the elders. And Ephesus obviously has elders, but it also has apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's gloriously slightly confusing. <laughs> Which... <clears throat> Which is why we have so many different models of church government in different denominations. So the single senior pastor with his elders, that, that's borrowed from Timothy in Ephesus. So that would be, a, a, people like Assemblies of God would function that way. This sort of group of elders, well that, that's, we've already looked at that, that's present everywhere. So that sort of Presbyterian approach which is kind of the roots for the Church of Scotland, has that as its sort of backup scriptures. Um, but you, you also have you know, this apostolic figure coming with authority to churches, and that, that's where the Episcopalian bishops sort of model started to come, come from. I think, it, I think it's vague on purpose, because it's about a wineskin suitable for the wine. And that's what goes wrong is you kind of, we've got our wineskin, now fill it, Lord. Well, he's like, well, we need a flexible wineskin for where we are. And it is all about the wine. The wine, his presence is the most important thing, not the structure. The structure, it needs to be suitable. So where does that leave us? You can just sort of give up and have no structure. No, no, structure is important. If I had no structure in my body... Yet remove the skeleton from your body. I don't really want to come round your house. But we'd be sweeping you up off the floor. You'd be sort of jelly and eyeballs looking up. And, you know, rip out your nervous system. Or connect it up wrong. Do you, do you, know, do you know what happens if you connect it up wrong? You go... Uh, and you're trying, to, you're trying to move your leg and your arm keeps twitching. And, 
you're trying to eat food and your eyeballs keep because you're trying to move your mouth but the wrong nerve is connected to the wrong place I mean I know this is impossible Nick he's looking at me like he's a GP he's like this is terrible <laughs> the po- no I'm joking but the point is the point is your body has structure to give it health and help it function so structure's not bad it's when it takes over that you know bones rule would be really bad they serve you <laughs> I've joined the society for the freedom of bones. Bones deserve more respect. Should be given more authority in life. Particularly the femur. Just, uh, no, no, that's not how this works. Help me, Jesus. Help them, Jesus. So what are we going to do? So having done this extensive survey of biblical information, what what we're going to do is really seek to honor people's gifting by the way that we do our structure. But understand that this elder word has significance in bringing pastoral strength to a church. But I think there is plenty of room for, if you like, a two-tier approach where you've got Ephesians for gifting that's recognized that is bringing authority and vision and, and is catalytic to the church and you've got a broader group of people that are overseeing the doings of the church. I think they can all be called elders but when we talked to our team no one wants to be called an elder and specifically the women because there's so much baggage to the name. <clears throat> so we, we, are, we talked to you about this at the uh, communication evening when we did talked about our structure and our strategic plan. We are going to have four people in our senior leadership team, and I called it then a management team of eight, which those four will be in, but everybody hated management team as a word. And because I'm in submission to my team, we've changed the name to leadership team. Okay, so we have a senior leadership team, we have a leadership team, there's eight in total, and four of them sit as an Ephesians 4 visionary catalytic team to the whole church. But we're going to lay hands on everybody and authorize them to do their bit, which they're all already doing, which is a good place to be. So we described to you then we had a team... (coughs) The team, which is now the leadership team or the management team, as I dubbed it, is made up of teams. So there's an apostolic and prophetic team. There's a a, a mission resources team. There's a teaching team. And there is a pastoral transformation team. So the the management team, the leadership team, is in those different teams. So each one will be carrying authority and gifting to lead in those areas. Yeah, And the senior team has the spiritual authority to the whole. Is that, is that clear? What we want, though, is everybody's gifting to influence the whole. So the pastoral people need to influence the whole environment. But they're, if you like, in charge of running the life groups and the children's ministry. And they're not... 
tottering over to the apostolic and prophetic team and taking charge of how to run HSSL. Do you see what I mean? But we need them to come and influence and help HSSL so that it's a, a good pastoral environment as well as an apostolic and prophetic one. But the decisions about HSSL are made in the apostolic and prophetic team. The decisions about life groups and children's ministry and, and, and training people for, for marriage and raising up good parents all happen in the pastoral transformation team. But we want everything that's pastoral to be apostolic and prophetic. So we want the influence of the prophetic and the apostolic people into our pastoral world. But the pastoral, the pastoral team are making the decisions about where we go for, with life groups next or whatever. Yeah? And ditto with teaching and, and administration, etc. They, they have a clear area of responsibility, but we want, we want the whole church to be apostolic, prophetic, well-taught, pastoral, and well-administered. Yeah. We want to honor the whole thing so that we're all growing up into Christ and are getting more and more mature, but we, as we grow, we need more clarity about who's responsible for what. Yes. And the people that are in the senior team we talked about, so it's, it's Teresa, myself, Nick Treadgold, and Jan McFarlane, they're there because I believe they carry a level of authority in the spirit realm that is significant for us as a church. All right, So they have a clout... Nick, Nick has this ability to be in a room and the room is different just because he's there. And I know that's irritated him for a lot of time. But it's to do with the level of spiritual authority and influence that he carries. Yeah. Teresa's the same. And it's not because she goes and necessarily does lots of strategic things. But put her in a room, the atmosphere changes because she carries spiritual authority. Jan McFarlane's the same. I'm the same. This place is different because we are here. And actually you feel it when different ones are not. Now, others carry authority too, all right? So Andy Fulton, Jan Treadgold, Phil Ford are doing awesome jobs in, in their role, all right? So don't, but there's a level of spiritual authority that this four currently carry that we want to honor and recognize and celebrate on that day, as well as celebrating and setting in the people that are carrying the load in those other teams. So there's a kind of two-tier system, but it's not a hierarchy, All right, so if Nick is doing something and he's in the senior team and he's kind of our senior pastor, but he knows that in, in what he's doing, he needs the influence of someone apostolic, he could take someone out of the apostolic team, which is kind of underneath him in the structure, and get them alongside him so that what, he's got an apostolic anointing influence in what he's doing. Yeah. See, that's not hierarchical thinking. It's gift-honoring thinking. And, and, and on and on. But you need a structure that means that we can start to hang together and, and communicate everything that we do. So that's going to be happening on May the 8th. And it's, it's a complete success story of this church that we've managed, that we have transitioned from really kind of years ago a church plant that Teresa and I led. Then we had a, a small eldership team of, of Nick and Phil and myself, which was appointed externally, a bit like from New Frontiers folks coming in, which was a bit like the story that we've looked at of the church plants. Then we transitioned to our senior leadership team, which had 
amazing women in it, and we were exploring releasing women to lead as well as honoring gifts rather than just having a structural approach. This is now birthed this new phase of what I've just described to you in which we have women powerfully leading. We're celebrating the gifts that people carry. We have emerging prophetic people. We have prophets. We have emerging apostles. We have pastors. We have teachers. We have evangelists in this house and we have administrators. It's all happening, guys, because Holy Spirit can't help himself. He gives his gifts away all the time. You have to be really, work really hard to miss one. <laughs> and what happens is you honor who you are. So, like, no, I really, I really am a pastor. I really am this. I'm called, that's my primary calling is to administrate. Incredible resources and favor gets released to you as you line up with who you are and, and just things open up. And as you and I honor those gifts amongst us, the favor that's on them then gets released to us and we grow and mature. That's a culture of honor. So, so can we just stand and pray together? Uh, thank you for listening so well and thoughtfully. I love the thoughtfulness in this house. Um, I love that you, you just kind of chew on this so well. Um, I, I appreciate it a lot. So, Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you. We're going to celebrate on May the 8th what you've done in raising up powerful women who lead, powerful uh, apostolic and prophetic people and teachers and pastors in our midst. And, God, we want to celebrate what you've given us. We want to honor it, receive it, and bless it. And we just give ourselves to uh, what you're doing amongst us. And, God, keep helping us to have a wineskin suitable because it's all about the wine. However you want to pour it out, whatever that looks like, God, I just want to say we're up for it and I'm up for it. We're not here to just create a structure. We're not here just to have a big church. We're not here just to have a good time. We're here because we're here for your presence. Your presence, your spirit filling us is the thing we're about. And uh, and we just want to honor you with, with a structure that you can fill. Uh, and we ask you to fill it any way you like. It can be as outrageous and offensive to us as you want it to be. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.